New Year's Eve edition. Nope, it's not New Year's Eve. I'll start it again. See, Sam, I'm getting ready for a basketball game that starts tomorrow, that plays tomorrow, New Year's Eve. So I've just spent the last two hours producing a New Year's Eve pregame show. As if it were New Year's Eve, yes. Right. So see, see, my brain, I got to reset. No. Um, On the eve of 2023, that's what we'll call this edition, this episode of the Magic Beans podcast, uh, Sam Park and John Ramey. Um, and we're going to look ahead at the stories that we think will be big ones in 2023. And I suppose this is a bit easy because as I was looking at kind of end of the year media and predictions for the next year, nobody goes back or I don't see too many going back and checking their predictions 21 to 22. Right. So maybe we'll why would to, you do that? Why would you do that? Especially <laughs> if you're wrong. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll make a note to do that. Um, especially if we get any of these right. Actually, honorable mention, uh, Nathaniel Rakich on 538 did that. He had an article about what he got wrong in 2022, which especially since they're... uh, uh, It's very 538 of them. Yes, but and also since they're very much absorbed in uh, election forecasts, uh, I think that that it, it speaks well of them that they would say what they what they might have gotten wrong. You know, I don't have politics uh with regard to like election outcomes on my top five and i suppose that's either grossly naive of me or perhaps a relief well there i mean it's not going to be a big issue here obviously Mm -hmm. uh but there are some important elections coming up in the year in for instance uh turkey and nigeria uh, so those are definitely ones to keep an eye out for those are important countries in in many different ways all right, so here are my top five. Um, and I, I'm going most important to least. One. Okay. Ready? 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 Yes. Okay. Number one, Russia war. Number two, inflation. And then these two are kind of related. Recession slash the China COVID explosion supply chain. Okay. And then the EU bribery scandal. Okay. Now, apart from the last one, I would say that uh, the the first four can essentially be lumped in under the general heading of inflation. That is, I know they're related. Yeah. Yeah. Inflation will be an element uh, either as a cause or as an effect or both in all of those stories. I would say the Russia war. And I think you would agree with me, though, is bigger than just inflation, although it has a huge impact on it. Yes, uh, I think that the inflationary aspects of it, though, are larger than people realize. That is, the uh, its impact on inflation is enormous, not just in Western countries, but even more so in developing countries. Uh, where it's touched off enormous food crises right. and things of that nature that uh, unfortunately are seldom discussed in our media here in the United States. They do get mentioned, but not anywhere near as much uh, as is would be commensurate with the size of the problems involved. Let's put it that way. I also would point out that maybe food crises aren't necessarily discussed as crises of inflation, but they are very much that. 
In this case, in, in yeah. fact, when there's not enough grain, grain is inflated. Correct. Uh, and in many cases, for instance, you know, we all remember, or actually maybe you're too young, but uh, people remember, for instance, Live Aid uh, and the famine in Ethiopia. In yeah, I, I, I remember those. This was largely uh, actually an infrastructure crisis where there was simply not good enough transport links to get food from the eastern part of Ethiopia into the west where the starvation was actually occurring. And, and of course, you know, it was an awful problem, and I don't mean to minimize it in any way, right? But uh, there were aspects to it that were poorly understood at the time. Uh, and it was just viewed as this horrible tragedy of, you know, sort of a whim of fate. Uh, whereas there were certain things that, had they been in place, would have made it m much more manageable. And this happens frequently. You know, almost any famine that we can think of since then has fallen into essentially that same category, where it's a, a problem of distribution. Right? The, the world produces plenty of food. Or until its uh, breadbasket got invaded, it did. No, but th that food was still being produced uh, for the most part. Yeah, I guess production did fall off a little bit. But in general, I'm talking about Ukraine being the yes, breadbasket. Uh, I mean, you know, they were still growing the grain, just that they couldn't get it out. Uh, so uh, th there's not a, a crisis of there not being enough food. It's almost always a crisis of getting the food to where it needs to go. How do you feel about my top five and would you add anything or do you think we need to broaden it since so many are kind of um, inflation related? I don't think we need to, especially. And I don't know that the, the European Parliament scandal is I know. going to actually be all that big. But it's, it's so salacious. I wanted us to talk about. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the thing is, there's nothing has actually happened with it since it broke. I did notice that it's all two weeks old because nobody's prosecuting or investigating because well, yeah, everybody's on vacation. It happened yeah. right before everybody goes on vacation. And it's not like they had any vital legislation that they needed to pass uh, right uh, before the vacation, unlike here, for instance. Uh, so it's all been sort of put on hold until everybody gets back. But I'm am sure I correct? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm correct. Am I correct in my understanding that the uh, EU parliament makes the United States Congress look like Usain Bolt? Yes. But the other thing is, uh, most legislation that takes place in Europe of any real importance still takes place at the national level. Right. It's got to get approved. Right. Yeah. The European Parliament doesn't actually pass all that many laws that affect the, uh, the lives of the citizens of Europe because they just don't have as much power. All right. So nothing glaring about 2023 you want to add to the discussion? I wouldn't say so. I mean, the, the, the things you've mentioned so far are large enough in and of themselves that, and they're so multidimensional that they're going to cover most of the important things that we see. Uh, for instance, just the COVID in China story that one worries me a lot because we don't know very much. And that's the most important thing about, for instance, we can 
you know, th- obviously there will be surprises in the war in Ukraine, but I think most people feel like they have a pretty good handle of what's going to happen. It's just going to be this long-term slog of people shooting at each other, which is something that we've seen happen, maybe not recently, but many times throughout history. Including uh, in our lifetimes, like correct. Iran, Iran so, Iraq. Whereas with COVID in China, COVID is such a new thing, and the Chinese trajectory of policy has been so uh, just uh, erratic. I wouldn't say erratic, but but you know it's gone. I mean, basically, they've changed their policy from zero COVID to all of the COVID. So, and <laughs> you know, never mind yes. that we've never seen anything like COVID before. But just for any country, let alone the one with the world's largest population, or now second largest population. Uh, is uh, to just do a complete 180 degree turn is to, it's a singularity. Uh, and we don't, we can't know how it's going to work out. And there are many aspects to this that uh, have just enormous implications. For example, uh, as we discussed in our uh, previous discussion of China, uh, the Lunar New Year is coming up, and in, that's in about three weeks. And when Lunar New Year comes around in China, many people, millions and millions and millions of people, travel from their recently acquired homes in the cities to their ancestral homes in the countryside. Now, will that happen in, the, in its usual numbers this year? We have no idea. Right. That's normally what happens. But my people might be scared of COVID. And, you know, their the relatives that they visit in the countryside are generally their older relatives. So will they be scared of giving grandma and grandpa COVID if they travel home for the holidays? We have no idea. And again, this this we'll find out pretty soon. Uh, but every ep- epidemiologist that I've seen interviewed recently doesn't see any way China escapes without enormous amounts of COVID deaths. And it, do, it doesn't seem plausible to me that Xi Jinping and the rest of the Chinese Communist Party leadership could be unaware of that. And that's disquieting, shall we say. Uh, for instance, Xi is routinely referred to as China's most powerful leader since Mao Zedong. And he, in fact, seems to relish that comparison, or at least not shy away from it. And what I don't know, and I don't think almost anybody in the West knows, because they can't, is to what extent is Xi Jinping aware that Mao Zedong is in the West almost universally considered to have been a monster. And does he really want us to see him in that same light? Well, that I'll tell you what, not having any COVID restrictions is not a bad way to get on the road to tens of millions of deaths on your watch like Mao. Exactly. And Now, I don't, again, I don't know the answer to this, 
I just want to raise a possibility of what could be playing out. I hope it's not true because it's highly disturbing. Um, Let me interrupt you. There's if you want to scare the hell out of yourselves, there's an article in today, Friday, December 30th, New York Times. That basically says we don't know, but here's some fairly scientific speculation, right? Um, An American group has estimated as many as half a million deaths by April and another million by the end of 2023 if China rejects social distancing mandates, right? Again, large, large bricks of salt, right, to be taken with these numbers. Of course. Uh, a British-based analytics company called Airfinity predicts 1.7 million COVID deaths by the end of April. Wow. Okay. Now, let's say these scientists, these statisticians and data people are off by half. That's still a ton of deaths. That's a shocking amount of death. Considering we have vaccines, considering we've already been through the most novel phase of this. Yes, at three years later. Right. I mean, uh, COVID-19 is called that because it began in the end of 2019. Three years ago right now. Yes. And so. I mean, look, I don't I don't want to be a cynic. Right. That's a ton of dead people in China. And that's terrible. But that could really ricochet around the world economically. Well, not just that, but epidemiologically, Mm. Uh, you know, people are afraid that. If COVID is allowed to run rapid throughout China, then a new variant could arise. Uh, for instance, what's happening in China now? They believe it may be that, a new variant. Well, they believe it's mainly the Omicron variant, right. or some sub variant of Omicron, which is as that we would recall, be better, highly highly transmissible, but not particularly deadly in comparison with, say, the Delta variant or COVID classic. Right, exactly. Uh, Even going back a a decade or two, one big problem that China has had is what demographers refer to as the dependency ratio. That is, China's working age population has already been shrinking for close to 10 years. And because of their one-child policy that lasted for almost 40 years from the early 80s, uh, there's an alarmingly high number of retired people or people of retirement age compared to the number of people of working age. And this is, again, a problem for their society because if you are an only child and you're now of working age and both of your parents are only children, uh, then your tax dollars or, or tax, you know, the, the amount of money that you pay in taxes into the retirement system has to somehow support the retirement benefits of all four of your grandparents. And that's just not sustainable. Now, of course, the, you know, the state can supplement the pension system, you know, from other other sources of revenue, but that's not how pension systems we imagine which are supposed to work. Since Omicron and COVID in general tends to kill older people, to what extent could the Chinese leadership be thinking, well, 
we could sort of God, that's cynical. Yes, but if Xi wants to be thought of in the same light as Mao, it would line up. How are we not supposed to come to this conclusion? Again, I hope this is not true, but I, uh, uh, it's something that we, I think, at least have to consider. Right. And it's ghastly. It uh, it's just horrifying. Uh, and so, well, again, that's why I say that uh, this is almost certainly the biggest story that we're going to see uh, at, because it's the largest source of uncertainty. Uh, as to uh, now, compared to what I've just said, uh, it, the impact of this story on inflation seems, you know, relatively uh, benign, but it's not inconsiderable. Only, I should say, it's not inconsiderable because lots of things are made in China and we have already been through supply chain hiccups. Yes. Now, even and before- if 2 million people die by July in China, that might affect some things. Exactly. Now, uh, the, here in the United States, we've been, and not just in the United States, but across the Western world, there has been a great effort afoot since the pandemic to try and diversify the supply chain. That takes a while, right? You can't just build a new factory overnight or refurbish an old one uh, to make the products you need. And of course, supply chains have their own supply chains. Right. Uh, you, you need to get the raw materials from wherever they're dug up uh, to your factory in, if not China, then your new factory in India or Vietnam or wherever, wherever and you have to establish those transportation links. And again, these things take time. They've been trying to do it all this past year and probably the year before, but it, it takes a while. I've got an example for you. Now, I haven't made a purchase of masks, cloth masks, KN95s, right, in a while, because I have a, a, a fair supply. But I've yet to buy that not from China. And I know something as simple as a surgical mask, they were trying to diversify where they're manufactured, because at the start of the pandemic, if you'll recall, China made all the masks in the world. Right. And so something as not complicated as a KN95 cloth mask, I still have yet to purchase from anywhere but China three years in. Well, two and a half. I probably purchased some six months ago. Yes, but the, you know those- For an example. Are, the masks you're purchasing today, though, could have been made a year ago. Sure. Right? In other words, there, there might already be. But again, that's what I, exactly what right. I'm supply saying. Supply chains have the supply chain. These, these things need time to tick over. And uh, so- I don't know how we'll even be able to keep track of how diversified our supply chains will be by this time next year. Right. But it's something that uh, if we can keep track of, we ought to. Uh, and so that's just one aspect of this, uh, you know, apart from the mass death possibility and uh, the the inflation. There's just so much uncertainty about uh, this one story that it's something that will be that will require very careful monitoring throughout the entire year. I want to add one thing. One aspect that is not uncertain that <coughs> our friend Charlie Sykes likes to call wish casting. Okay, is that uh, this this will not set the Chinese authoritarian government on any less solid footing. 
Like let, we need to not talk about that. I've heard, I've, I've, I don't, chat, yeah, I don't I've heard chatter that. about that. Like that, that's not happening folks. No, I, I mean, and you know what? I mean, I guess if it does, I'll be happy to be wrong. Right? Sure. But, uh, you know, but I don't of, see that happening. And yeah, in terms of what's actually going to happen, you know, uh, we can deal with that if it, if it happens to occur, right. right? These other things are challenging enough that, uh, that I think that there'll be enough for us to deal with. Yeah. Okay, the Russian war updates today. This is horrific. Another aerial bombardment began uh, Wednesday night. Kamikaze drones, explosive drones, and at least 69 cruise missiles. This is uh, from the Times uh, of London. Um, They shot down, did the Ukrainians, 54 of the 69, but enough to wipe out landed enough to wipe out power uh, to 90% of uh, Lviv and uh, in Kharkiv, two people were killed. So they're just, they're still bombing, missling and explosive droning, kamikaze droning um, Ukrainian cities. And that's terrible. And some of the drones shot down just to tie it all in made in Iran. Of course. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, old is new yeah. again. Uh, and that meanwhile, uh, the Ukrainian foreign minister said this week uh, that Ukraine would not be negotiating directly with Russia unless Russian leaders faced trial for war crimes, which essentially means there will be no conversations. Exactly. Uh, so that's not good, Sam. This well, is OK. While we're looking ahead to 2023, as you might recall, when Volodymyr Zelensky was here addressing a joint session of Congress, he said resplendent in olive drab. Yes. Yeah. He said that he believed that 2023 would be the turning point of the war and, of course, in the favor of Ukraine. And I hope he's right about that. I think it's certainly possible. Uh, But in terms of how it affects all the rest of things, uh, for example, one thing that I've started doing this week and will continue to do throughout the rest of the winter is just check German weather forecasts, uh, because it's the largest economy in Germany, I'm sorry, in Europe, it's centrally located on the continent. So we can assume that if Germany's having a tough winter, then probably other countries in Europe are also. And so if it's very cold in Germany, that means that energy prices will go up and energy stockpiles across Europe will become drained uh, as a result. So uh, that's just one kind of back of the envelope gauge we can look at, Mm -hmm. right? Is how cold is it in Europe? Uh, And that will, of course, have additional impacts on inflation because if energy prices go up, inflation goes up basically everywhere because that's how you ship your goods from one place to another is you have to burn fossil fuels. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Germans and other European nations filled their stockpiles with natural gas all the way through the year. They're basically full or they started the winter last week, uh, almost entirely full. They're hoping that they're not going to have to draw them down, uh, very much during the winter, because if the war doesn't end this coming year, next winter will be worse. It will be much more difficult for them to fill those stockpiles again. 
Can't we have the Freedom Flotilla from Texas? Well, come on. That's got to be a wheelhouse for the Yankees here. No, 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 no. The, the Germans, I think this year, have set up. We've got a ton of natural gas. Yes, but we don't have pipelines to right. Europe. I understand. Uh, and the Germans, I think, set up, I, I believe it's four floating liquid natural gas regasification facilities uh, in the North Sea. My God, you imagine what that must be like to work on? Especially uh, I know I can't. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, sorry. But the that's great that they've yeah. done this and they're, they're going to be building more of them uh, and maybe have some land-based ones, which of course would be larger and can move more gas. But the ones that they've set up so far uh, are will only replace, I believe, a single digit percentage of the amount of gas that they used to import from Russia. And so they've got to figure out some other way of, again, building additional regasification plants, or I'm sure that they, they are trying to move toward, to move even faster toward renewable energy. They extended the life of their four remaining nuclear plants through April, uh, I believe that which is not winter. Yeah, I, yeah, but I believe they'll probably push that back even further. Um, that just incidentally, that's one thing I think that we'll see more of this year. Also, is a slightly or perhaps substantially louder volume of discussion about adoption of civilian nuclear energy across the Western world and in other places. Also, it's just that. In democratic societies, we have to talk about these things openly, whereas if you're not a, de a democratic society, you could just build a Do nuclear it. plant yeah. no matter what anybody wants, to, uh, whether they want them to or not. Sorry, I'm now going to go down a rabbit hole about the offshore German regasification facilities, because that just that's okay. got that's got all the things. It's just side note. I'll be doing research offline about that. Um, let's pivot to inflation. And I have some good news. You believe this? Sure. This article was published in the Financial Times three hours ago. Spanish inflation slowed more than expected in December, raising expectations of an easing in price pressures across the Eurozone. Inflation was 5.8% in Spain in December, down from 6.8%. In November. Wow, that's and a, remarkable. And a sharper fall than economists had forecast. This could mean a European Central Bank could opt to lower the pace of rate increases quicker than expected. Could be good for markets. Well, how's that? Good news. Yes. Then, in fact, that it, it lines up also. Noticia with, buena, as they say in Spain. It lines up with the trajectory of inflation here in this country also. P the inflation is widely considered to be moderating across the Western world. But if, in other words, uh, China just recently relaxed their COVID restrictions, this could send inflation back up sharply. Now, again, inflation is not the same as high prices, right? Inflation causes prices to rise. Inflation is continuing increases of prices, 
right? Just because something is things are expensive doesn't mean you're experiencing inflation. It's the expectation of continual price rises that constitutes inflation. So if inflation is something that it happens over time. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so if suddenly there's a, a huge drop off in industrial production in China and we haven't diversified our supply chains, that could send inflation back up sharply. If some horrible, horrible thing happens in the war in Ukraine that uh, sends energy prices up, that could also send inflation back up sharply. And these are things that the, the Federal Reserve, for example, can't actually do anything about, right? Uh, and uh, Nor can the European Central Bank. No, uh, and or any other central bank. So uh, we hope that the... We, it seems like as though the policies adopted by Western central banks are helping to ease inflation. And uh, at least in our country, uh, any recession that we experience this coming year is expected to be relatively mild. But these other factors could just screw up that entire calculation. I have some data regarding inflation in this country, the United States, from our friends at Bloomberg from today. Bond traders have pulled back over the course of 2022, this year, on their expectation for where U.S. inflation will be in the future, specifically in a decade. Suggesting growing confidence, says Bloomberg, that the consumer price explosion of 2022 is under control. Yes, that's, you know, that's another way of saying the same thing. Right. But it's happening in Spain. And it's yes. happening here. Exactly. And, yes. and that story about Spain that you referenced, they hope that that can be translated across the rest of the Eurozone. Right. Right. Because it's a single currency block. Right. Therefore, something that happens in one of the larger countries in that block, we can expect to one degree or another to be replicated across the rest of the block. Wait, so is the theme now I'm distilling after our conversation is the theme for 2023 Let's not be unlucky. Yes. But that's always, for instance, uh, there's a famous quote that might be apocryphal, but it's uh, often attributed to Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm. And someone once asked him, uh, what, what characteristic would you say it's most important for a general to have? And Napoleon is said to have answered, he should be lucky. Uh, And that's, you know, that's the way things work out throughout history, much more often than people sort of delude themselves into thinking. Just that things work out and uh, and that's uh, just how it happens. Now, of course, that, you know, in some cases, human agency does make an enormous difference. Decision decisions made by individual people can be of enormous consequence. Uh, But. Luck is has so much more to do with it than people imagine. What else, Sam? What else for twenty twenty three? Well, a- apart from uh, uh, the discussion of nuclear power, those are the uh, I think we've covered the broadest possible trends. Uh, the things that uh, will surprise us will we, surprise us. Yeah, right? we can't talk about today. Uh, so. <laughs> 
there's no point in speculating as to what they might be. Uh, the domestic situation here will just calm down a little bit because there's no midterm election. There's no presidential election. Uh, and uh, there will probably be a lot of deadlock in Congress because of divided government. So, you know, whatever policies we've already put in will just sort of be implemented across the board. And that's it. Uh, and uh, in a way, that'll be an enormous relief for us here in the United States. And we can let other people, uh, you know, have all the fun, as it were. Right. <laughs> uh, European bribery scandal in our final few minutes here, although nothing has really happened since about middle December. Um, the vice president of the EU parliament, Ava, oh, a, a vice president. Uh, they oh, have 14. Oh, vice oh excuse me. OK, well, that's ridiculous. Ava Kaili of uh, Greece. Yes. Uh, was arrested with insane amounts of cash. Her in father was arrested coming she, out of a Brussels hotel. She wasn't. She has subsequently been arrested. Been arrested. But, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, her father was. Just the details are so good. I just love hearing it. The, her father was suspected of literally being the bag man uh, for. And he would have had, what, half a million euros in a bag? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, or hundreds of thousands of euros. Oh, that's great. Uh, subsequently, three other people or two other people have been arrested, uh, one of whom is her boyfriend and uh, who runs who is, a, yeah. a NGO uh, that is dedicated to fighting uh, or de dedicated to promoting transparency. Uh, and again, we're going to find out more about this. So uh, as time goes on, but uh, since the scandals broke, they've actually confiscated uh, 1.6 million euro and cash, uh, cash. Yes. And it's a lot of cash. The, the way this was brought to light was because of the actions of the of the Belgian police. In other words, the EU didn't apprehend these people. They didn't discover this and apprehend these people on their own. It was the, the police of Belgium. Now it's that, like Watergate. I, it's like Watergate, Washington DC police found the, the break in, right? Not yeah, the FBI. That, in a way <laughs> that's how the European union is supposed to work, right? right. It, there's no EU police. Thank God. Right. Uh, and so the, these things can actually bubble up from the smallest. I mean, Belgium is a small country. And, and but their police are uh, powerful enough inside the EU that they could bring this. Now, of course, that's where the e met most of the EU headquarters are located is in Brussels. But apparently, they had wiretaps and things like this. So they're working on this for a while. It's not like you know the guy just dropped his bag and cash fell out and the cops saw it. Right? They were looking at these. People.